Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Tuesday, January 31st. Almost one year into the conflict, can the Canadian military continue to provide robust aid and resources to help Ukraine in the battle against Russian aggressors? We discuss the topic with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. Road rage and the dangers for drivers. Have we become more aggressive when we're behind the wheel? We explore the phenomenon of road rage with the safety experts at trucking company Performance Intermodal. Then we can continue our conversation about the frustration we experience on the road this time out we dig deeper and try to get to the bottom of why our tempers tend to flare up while driving we get the thoughts of curtis bader registered psychologist from the calgary counseling center and finally we catch up with the travel lady leslie cater for details on a new choice for canadian travelers we hear about how porter airlines plans to get your business with perks not currently being offered to travelers by the current crop of carriers does canada have the resources we need to uphold nato commitments that and more as it's time to catch up with global news ottawa bureau chief and host of the west block mercedes stevenson hi mercedes Hey, good morning. How are you? Excellent. Thank you for joining us once again. How are things in Ottawa now that uh, we've passed that one-year mark of the uh, the so-called Freedom Convoy? Did anything happen in downtown Ottawa? There were some very small um, protests. Nobody really parked because this time the Ottawa police uh, didn't allow that to happen. I can tell you last year at this time, uh, my condo was right on top of the protest. It was very loud in here. Um, and it's very quiet this year mm. so it was just sort of a, a sprinkling of people really who showed up without the trucks because of course uh, protesting in the winter in you know cold weather in ottawa it's harder to stick around if you don't have a truck to get in and warm up so i think that probably deterred a lot of people i also think it's fractured and there's sort of uh, been a lot of revelation sense that it made people perhaps concerned about it who might have just been loosely associating uh and, and so you sort of had a few of the hardcore folks down here but really um not a lot at all, and, and nothing certainly uh, even remotely close to the scale of a year ago. All right, what a difference time makes. Uh, let's uh, switch gears and talk about the state of Canadian uh, military and uh, what we can provide. I, I guess big picture, we've been talking a lot about you know the war in Ukraine, but do we have the resources to uphold NATO commitments? I know you had the chance to speak with General Wayne Ayer, Chief of Defensive Staff. Uh, do we have enough, according to the General? He says we do, but he makes it clear that it's a very close call. Um, and he was very blunt about this. And he has made warnings before about sort of the state of the Canadian Armed Forces. But um, I thought that it was, um, I don't want to say jarring because he's, he has indicated their issues before, but it was very intense to hear Canada's top soldier say that um, I asked him very bluntly if Russia expanded the war and we had to respond as a part of NATO, could we do it based on, on what you're saying about the limitations of people and equipment? And he said we could, uh, but that it would be very difficult essentially and that it would be an all-hands-on-deck uh, issue, as he put it. So it really would be something that would be very, very challenging for the Canadian Armed Forces. And uh, I pushed him a little bit on you know, sort of how close are we sliding below that ability to provide a NATO capability. He wouldn't really answer that. He would say we're certainly still there. And we never know, by the way, exactly um, what those capabilities are because they're classified. But they are required of each member of NATO to be able to protect itself and respond in order to be allowed to remain as a member of NATO. Uh, and so sort of for this NATO country, G7 country, uh, to have the defense chief saying, uh, we're getting really close to not being able to fulfill our responsibilities potentially um, is obviously pretty significant. 
And what does that really say about our country? Do we need to beef up our military? Do we just need to not overpromise? I mean, you know, obviously we don't get into, we're peacekeepers now for, for uh, you know, as a whole, but do we need more equipment? Do we need to be better equipped here in this country? Well, so it's interesting because, you know, we think of ourselves as peacekeepers, but, but we haven't been, not since the 1990s. Um, the peacekeeping mission we ran in Mali was literally a couple of helicopters. It wasn't soldiers on the ground. Um, if you talk to peacekeepers who were in the former Yugoslavia, they will tell you they were fighting, um, fighting to protect people, fighting to save their own lives at times. They were under fire. Uh, it was not sort of this Suez uh, Canal 1950s peacekeeping that has been imbued into us often through our education system, which is not accurately represented um, what the history of peacekeeping has looked like for Canada, which has meant military capabilities often to get between two combatants who want to fight each other versus who don't want to fight each other. Um, Since that, we've seen Afghanistan, Canada has been Iraq, now we're in Latvia. Um, But these are all roles that require significant war fighting capabilities. And to be a part of NATO, you have to be able to mount a war. In fact, you have to be able to mount a war against Russia uh, because that is the whole purpose of NATO is to deter. And part of that deterrence is saying, look at our capabilities. The Canadian Armed Forces have run into a two-pronged problem. On the one hand, they can't keep or recruit enough people. So even if they have the equipment, they're struggling to be able to do the job because there's not enough troops to do it. On the other hand, our equipment is really old and there's not very much. I'm sure you saw we sent four tanks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people said, sorry, what? Four tanks? <laughs> I mean, Poland is sending triple that. Why are we sending four tanks? It's because if we sent more than that, our army might be gutted in terms of tanks that it can actually use. We only have 82. Uh, Half of those are used for training. We are sending the Ukrainians our training tanks. Um, And amongst those tanks that are still working, a lot um, are in constantly for maintenance or or unusable. So I think that was very jarring for people. Uh, We had a ship that almost sunk uh, a couple of weeks ago in the Halifax Harbor, the HMCS Summerside. Basically, a sea valve on this Navy ship rusted out and it started taking on water. Um, And when I was talking to one of the officials who works around the ship, they said, look, this is like a really old ship that's in salt water that got deployed um, into the Atlantic, which is not designed to do. It's a small ship, not a big one, for an extended period of time because one of our big frigates couldn't go. We are not sending CF-18s to Europe as part of Operation Reassurance to deter the Russians this year for the first time in years because there's not enough of them to send. Um, so you don't have enough people, you don't have enough equipment, and you have what the chief of the defense staff is uh, describing as an increasingly dangerous world where he says there are and will continue to be more demands for Canada to be able to step up to the plate. All right, Mercedes, let's bring it back home. And it's like, you know, uh, the pandemic happened and coworkers started to come back to the office in a face you have not seen for a while. That's a sense I get from CPC leader Pierre Polyev. Mm-hmm. It, it seems like he's on a bit of a, a publicity tour. You start to see his face. You, you're hearing him speak in the past uh, handful of days or, or a week or so. He was out of the public eye for quite some time. So, so what do we chalk this up to, the resurgence of Pierre Polyev? Uh, I, I'm thinking, because I think the kill date is, what, October 2025 for the election. This is not pre-campaigning. What spurned his, his comeback of sorts? Well, one of the things that people have learned uh, politically on the conservative side is you want to have a leader who people can recognize in an election because it's very hard to win against any incumbent, but much less a very well-known incumbent like Justin Trudeau. If people think, well, I don't know this other guy. I really don't like the liberals, but I'm not sure what this guy's about. Uh, And they ran into that with Andrew Scheer, and they ran into it as well with Aaron O'Toole, that even disgruntled liberals were concerned about crossing the line for conservatives because they felt 
They didn't know what was going to happen. So they, they will say, I'll go with the devil I know instead of the devil I don't. Um, so this is really about them trying to get him out and get him known. They were telling us before Christmas, you know, you're, the press gallery is actually going to start to see him in Ottawa. Uh, we've not been able to get him to grant, you know, a single interview to mainstream media in Ottawa, which I know people roll their eyes and say, well, that's your problem. Absolutely our problem. However, we're able to get people's message to Canadians. So yeah. if you don't talk to us, it's hard to get that message across. Um, and it seems like maybe the, the feelings up there are, are starting to change about this as they have sort of had a chance to shape who they want him to be seen as. And now they're ready to start projecting that message. But they know there could be an election well before 2025. And if there is, uh, or if Justin Trudeau says, you know what, uh, I don't really love the polling numbers and, and Pierre Polyev starting to pull well, I'm going to call a snap election and go before he's ready. They want to have him out in front. Um, but on that front, you know, I just say, because a lot of people are wondering about elections, it's always possible uh, for the Liberals to call one. As far as the Conservatives wanting one for all of their talk, uh, they certainly want one when the election, uh, pardon me, when the economy is bad. Um, but that's not typically something that the Liberals would want. So they're going to be watching uh, sort of the economy, something that Pierre is very strong on. They're going to want him out talking about that a lot. Uh, and the weaker the economy gets, the less likely it is the Liberals will want an election before 2025. It's all fascinating to watch unfold. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of The West Block. It's not uncommon for those that drive in and out of the city to experience road rage at least once in their lives. But for truck drivers, it seems they know the real risk of road rage. Here to discuss with us their own experiences, Blaine Astra, Transportation Safety Manager at Performance Intermodal, and uh, Brandy Moody, Safety Specialist at Performance Intermodal. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Well, let's talk about it. You know, I said once in our lives. Okay, come on. Much Sometimes once in an hour, it depends. <laughs> so I'm wondering, I'll start with you, Blaine. Road rage it, it comes with driving, but have you seen it increase over the past few years? I certainly have seen it increase in, in, in the last couple of months, and it has increased really since, let's say, COVID. COVID has brought a lot of stress on drivers. I know people that don't even drive Deerfoot anymore after COVID. The stress limits of the drivers out there have increased in the past few months. This has been really rough. And do you think that, you know, people are more angry at truck drivers do you think people are just more angry in general do you think it's you know it's being out on the road and having other people around that don't actually know who we are it's a way that we can release that anger brandy what do you think about that well actually it's actually a a deeper route to the issue so nowadays especially since covid we have to to think about the psychosocial aspect of everybody's life so psychosocial is a combination of the mental spiritual physical well-being of a person so when a person gets into their car you don't know what's happened to them prior to that you Mm -hmm. don't know everything that's going on in a person's life and you get behind a wheel and a person is sitting there thinking about the million and one other things other than driving and then all of a sudden somebody doesn't use their signal light and something twitches off in their brain and the road rage happens so it's a deeper-rooted subject than just road rage. Blaine, I'm wondering, you know, spending time on the road, if if you have any examples for us. I was saying earlier this morning, I I believe when I was speaking with our friends at Global TV, that sometimes you lose language and you start talking with your hands, kind of like sign language (laughs) some people do. Um, Besides maybe somebody getting flipped the bird, 
any examples of road rage that have come extreme in in your case in your uh, through your path? Absolutely, and and most recently, uh, we received quite a few phone calls during the week on motorists' complaints about our drivers. All of our trucks are cameraed, so we get to view actually what took place. The drivers that we have are trained for one thing. They do not engage. Uh, We have had several recently, and again, it's a building subject. It seems to be happening more commonly. Brandy took the last phone call, I believe that was last week, where a driver, and maybe you want to add to this, uh, a driver was really angry at our driver for some unknown reason. I don't know what sparks that off, but it almost came to a physical fight. And Brandy, what, do you, what was the experience there for the driver? He was scared for his life. Um, the driver who had passed him had given him the gun to the head signal. And so that's when he phoned me. And so my advice to him was back off, let that guy get way ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Even if you want to pull over for a few minutes or if you're too afraid to pull over, just slow down. And so he was very afraid for his life and he just didn't know what to do. He even phoned the cops because he was just that afraid. And that's the thing, you get that kind of, you know, a signal. There are, there, we've got some gang violence, or, or some, gun, I should say, gun violence in our city. So you never know who's actually carrying a Sure, that oftentimes, most of the time, probably means nothing. But at the same time, how do you know, right? So I can imagine that would be a scary thing. Yeah. But it's interesting because you did mention that, you, you know, your driver's trained to have zero tolerance. You have zero tolerance as a company for, for drivers reacting and engaging. How do you train something like Mm. that? Because it is human nature. We all set out thinking, I'm going to be a good driver. I'm going to be courteous or cordial. And then sometimes the blood uh, boils up. What do you you say to the drivers? I think that every driver thinks they're a good driver, but it really is a test when it comes to uh, engaging in traffic. All of our drivers, uh, Brandy's a big part of this, is we train each driver, make them understand, don't engage. Don't make eye contact. No hand signals unless it's a wave. If there's a problem... With all five fingers. Correct. <laughs> right, yes. Uh, if there's a problem, you lock the doors. If there's a, a continued issue, it's 911. Okay, so, so Brandy, you know, what can we all do then, do you think? What can we do, not just, you know, to keep your driver safe, to keep ourselves safe, our, our fellow human beings that are out there? What do we need to really think about? This is, this is kind of your baby, what you, you do at your job. What can we do when we get behind that wheel every day? Oh, um... Be patient. Be compassionate. You really just don't know what everybody else is going through. And rather than just thinking about what's happening in front of you in traffic or what's behind you and beside you, and and half the time everybody's staring at their phones Mm -hmm. as well, put the phone down and just focus on what's happening in front of you. When you're behind the wheel, just focus on the road. And that's really what's most important is the distracted driving and focusing. So put the phone down and focus and be patient and compassionate to those around you. Blaine, I would not want to drive a semi-truck. I would not want to have that responsibility. And I salute. Mm-hmm. I think we all gained new appreciation for the trucking industry during yeah. the pandemic because you got to get things to us. And we were waiting for those trucks. They came through. It was a very tough go. Uh, but we do know, like, I would not want to drive the truck. But I do know there's safety when you're driving around a truck. What do you like to see from motorists? I know the one that stands out for me is if if you can't see my mirrors, I can't see you. Is there anything else we should know? That's a really good point. Uh, What we anticipate in at least some sort of an experienced driver that is around one of our trucks stay in view of the truck. So if the driver's sitting in the driver's seat, 
let make sure that they see you. When you're passing a truck, have the room to pass a truck. Even in multi-lane uh, situations, make sure that you pass the truck. Don't stay in the dark zones. Don't stay beside the truck. Go past the vehicles. Move around them. Trucks go slower. They do. Mm-hmm. It irritates people. I get it. But get around the truck. Do it safely. Thank you both so much for joining us. Blaine Astra, Transportation Safety Manager at Proformance Intermodal and Brandy Moody, Safety Specialist at Proformance Intermodal. Thank you for, both for coming in and just sharing your experiences and, and maybe just some great reminders. When we get behind the wheel, just pay attention and, and don't don't be getting so upset, so angry about everything. Let that stuff go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Turn QR Calgary on and enjoy the moment. That's right. right. <laughs> Thank you guys, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Coming back, uh, we're continuing our conversation about road rage. But now we want to bring in a a registered psychologist from the Calgary Counseling Centre to talk about where all of this anger seems to be coming from. It it seems, as we chatted with our last guests on the road, whether you're a regular driver or a truck driver, there seems to be a lot of increased anger on the road. So how does it get so out of hand? Joining us to talk about it now is Curtis Bader. Good morning to you, Curtis. Curtis, a registered psychologist at the Calgary Counseling Centre. Thanks so much for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Curtis, what do you think it is? Can we blame it solely on the pandemic or is that just one of the symptoms? Why are people so angry and frustrated when they're behind the wheel? You know, I think it's for a number of reasons. There's kind of the things that are happening in the environment as you're driving, the things that are going on inside of you as well. Could also be developmental reasons as well. So we can get into those if you like. Yeah, let's talk about some of the developmental reasons. What do you mean by that? Developmental will be things like such as your age, your experience driving, uh, your maturity level. These things can kind of um, be protective against becoming more angry or they can kind of contribute to it. What are you noticing at the Calgary Counseling Centre? Are you hearing from people who just are feeling more angry these days specifically? Because I think, you know, when you're hearing that where you are, does that translate out onto the roads and beyond? Yes, for sure. I do work with a lot of clients who do experience quite strong anger for various reasons. Maybe it's in their relationships, maybe it's at their workplace. And I think it could be due to uh, somewhat of the pandemic kind of creating a really difficult um, position for people. And it's been building over these couple of years, but I don't think it's solely due to that. And it certainly could extend into their daily lives as they're experiencing this anger or stress each day. We are speaking with Curtis Bader, registered psychologist from the Calgary Counseling Centre. And uh, Curtis, I'm wondering if you can break down for us from a psychologist's perspective. We, we all get frustrated. We all have mm-hmm. bad days. We get angry. But at work, I probably wouldn't be flipping off my coworker or yelling obscenities. At the mall, mm-hmm. if someone cuts me off in line, I might not. What is it about being in a vehicle that kind of gives us a license to misbehave, being within those uh, four walls of a vehicle? It's so interesting. Like you said, we might not do this in other contexts, but I think specifically when you're in a vehicle, you have a lot more anonymity. And we find that when you're on the Internet, the same thing happens. Mm-hmm. You become a bit more bold in how you're responding to people because it's not going to come back to you directly. Uh, so people kind of have that uh, um, removal of that space between them, and so they can kind of uh, get into things that they wouldn't normally do if they were face-to-face. I think you're right. I never really thought about it that way, but that anonymity and also maybe that, you know, we've got a multi-thousand pound set of weights around us to make us feel a little stronger and a little more badass. Maybe that has something mm-hmm. to do with it as well. Yeah, it could contribute to it for sure. 
Interesting. And the work relationships and stress part of it too, I think over the past few years has really exacerbated everybody's anger and distress. And so are you seeing an uptick of people at the counseling center? Over the pandemic, yes, we had a significant increase in um, uh, clients requesting counseling. Um, I'm not too sure on the stats at this moment as we're kind of coming into more of a lull, but uh, we are still, we have grown in our capacity and what we've been providing as well as how many counselors we have on staff. So I know that it has been an uptick for sure. All right. Your professional opinion. You're talking to all listeners of Mornings with Sue and Andy. Some tips to remain calm and not react and to not engage when we're on the road. What, what can you offer up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a few things that you can do. Firstly, setting yourself up well. Just expecting that others will make mistakes just like we do. We tend to blame other people for what they're doing rather than giving them the benefit of the doubt. So if we can empathize and just take their perspective, that can really help. As well as if you uh, do learn some kind of relaxation or coping skills for when you're in those moments of intense frustration, if you can rethink the situation to kind of give a more favorable interpretation um, and really consider the consequences of what you're about to do. Do you really want this to kind of ruin your day or cause an escalation in conflict? Um, So these things can be really helpful. And we know that um, we can help you if you're looking for... um, um, to, to be able to do these things. If you're looking for counseling to be able to do that, we can certainly help. That is a great reminder. Thank you so much, Curtis. Appreciate your time this morning. You're so welcome. Thanks so much. Thank you, Curtis Bader, registered psychologist, Calgary Counseling Center. Maybe you need a little help. Maybe you're feeling a little angry. I don't think you're the only one. So reach out, ask for help. CalgaryCounseling.com is the website. Yeah, why not reach out for help if you find yourself hollering more time than you know singing along to the There's songs a, on the radio a lot know? of stuff going on right we we have we were all carrying a lot around mm-hmm. and you might be acting out in the vehicle and it can be dangerous not just to you but to those around you to your passengers and in fact this has been studied rates.ca insurance uh, they do some insurance and they also do some money stuff uh, canadian drivers road rage survey they released this was interesting and according to the survey more canadians claim to observe road rage then admit to engaging mm. them. That's a 78% saying they observe it, 51% saying that they engage in road rage. I admit it. I used to be a little more angry behind the wheel. And now something one of the, our other guests said is you never know what's going on with the other person. So if you're driving, maybe you're speeding or you're driving a bit erratically. I don't know. Maybe you're trying to get to the hospital before, you know, someone that you love passes away. There could be a million different reasons. So I don't even worry about that anymore. I used to flip people off a lot, not going to lie. That's now good. I don't do it. The compassion part. Now I don't do it. I try to be, I'm trying to be a better human being, Andy. Um, this is also an important stat that men are more what? likely than women to engage in confrontational road rage behavior, like flipping the bird, uh, rolling down the window and yelling at someone and stopping and exiting the vehicle. Yeah, that's a guy thing for sure to get out of the vehicle. Um, I think when you start rolling down the window and really, you know, brake checking somebody, that sort of thing, you really need to figure out what's going wrong with you. Yeah, maybe that's if you're putting it into action mm-hmm. and not just screaming words that they can't hear mm-hmm. with a smile on your face. If you're taking it to the next level, maybe you got to question yourself. Anymore. Again, calgarycounseling.com. You like to travel? We like to travel. If you're just new to Mornings with Sue and Andy, every second week we have a chance to catch up with the travel lady, Leslie Cater, and she brings us the newest and latest. And now, going to hear about some new perks when it comes to taking to the sky. Good morning to you, Leslie. Good morning, Andy. Uh, A new airline? uh, uh, Some new perks? Tell us about it. Yeah, Porter is coming to Calgary, finally. Yeah, so it's it's very exciting. And one of the most exciting things, I think, is that they're using the Embraer aircraft, which I love. The 2-2 configuration, 
no middle seat. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to get stuck in there. Now, Porter is, it's a, you know, sort of, is it Toronto based? Yes, it is indeed. And, uh, They've done a lot of uh, flying out of Toronto mm-hmm. over the last few years, but now they're expanding and they've got new Embraer aircraft and they're going to start service to Calgary, uh, between Calgary and Toronto, 22nd of February, two daily flights. That's a start. That's awesome. Yeah. What yeah. about where are we lo- looking at for expansion? Where are the potentials that we're going to see this? Well, they're looking as well from Toronto. They're going to be flying down to Fort Lauderdale, Bahamas, um, San Francisco, obviously, being in Calgary, we wouldn't want to fly to Toronto and then connect that way. But it, if they're considering these places, it opens up a whole lot of options for Calgarians. Uh, I think especially with the cruising section getting down to Fort Lauderdale because that is a long day of flying. Mm-hmm. And if you're a middle seat person like I am, Sorry to my husband, but <laughs> I end up in the middle seat. So so this is a bonus. Plus what they're doing is they're, they're making it a more enjoyable experience. So they're including uh, wine and beer mm. throughout, complimentary. Mm. And if you book in reserve, which is at the front of the aircraft, you're going to have more leg room and you get complimentary meals. So I think that there's a lot going for it. And you know what I love, guys? Just reading this, they are environmentally friendly. So um, there's a whole lot of statistics about how that comes together. But they're also going to be uh, not doing the single-use plastics, which I love. So... uh, I think there's nothing not to like here. This is great, Leslie. As a you know, I'm from Toronto. My family's there, so I fly back and forth usually at least once a year. So this mm-hmm. is another great option. Are they going to be to Pearson? Because don't they just fly into the island? Uh, yeah, when they started off, they were into Billy Bishop, but I do think that they have place now in Pearson with these uh, longer and more um, how can I say more frequent flights. Okay. So that I still need to check on, but I'm pretty sure that is the case. Awesome. Another option here for us, Leslie, we like the sounds of that. Uh, Where is it going to fit price-wise within the the current market? Well, they say that they're going to be very competitive. I haven't had a chance to check the pricing, uh, but they're adamant that they are going to be competitive. I wonder if it's going to be more a case of getting value for money. Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, when you go on and you book a WestJet or an Air Canada, you've got all these fair bases where you don't get seat selection, it's not refundable, you've got to pay for your suitcase. So um, will they be able to compete with that econo basic fare? So that'll be interesting to check that up. I, I still think that people will be prepared to pay a little extra to fly. Although I, I must tell you, I, it gets me really mad when I think of how high domestic airfare is within Canada, because I think we need more competition oh, like this. 100%. we got a funny texter who said a good concept for airlines would be to make sure that your luggage gets there with you, Leslie. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be uh, one, one, an innovation? And totally. A 20-second question attached to that, Leslie. Yeah. Do you... Check bags anymore or have your trends changed as far as mm. how you travel? If I'm going away for a week and I can get away with doing a carry-on, I do it because it's quicker and I know I've got all my stuff there. But, you know, a girl's suitcase, it doesn't accommodate all the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to buy more shoes when we're there, Leslie. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> That's how it works. Hey, thank you so much for joining us, giving us the update. That's great news.
Okay, you guys have a great day. You too. Take care. Leslie Cater is The Travel Lady. You can find her online at thetravellady.ca.